Welcome back to Inspired by Jimmy L, a platform that is used to inspire you to be the best version of yourself. Yes, I've been featured in Forbes. I have interviewed several account verified guests. I have even been a brand ambassador for a billion dollar company. But you know what, honey? You are my inspiration to keep this show going. We are not here pleading for ratings and reviews. We are here to encourage you. So please be sure to subscribe and share every single episode. Don't hold the opportunity to inspire someone else. Hello, everyone, and welcome to your Tuesday with Inspired by Jimmy L. So I'm totally excited. I'm so excited. Um, today, <laughs> I know I sound crazy, but today's guest I'm just so excited that he said yes. He's one of those people that have come into my life in a big way. Um, and I don't know him personally, but what he does and what he stands for has made an impact on our world. Um, he's an author. He's a consultant. He's the godfather of the culture shaping of the entire corporate world. He has helped shape a multitude of Fortune 500 companies, and he has probably been to your organization. Dr. Larry Sin of Sin Delaney and Be Here Now. And today he's on the show with us talking about the mood elevator. And um, he's personally come to my organization. And I must say, he, he, has, he has shown me a new way of living. Oh my gosh. He is a powerful, a powerful influencer living right here amongst us. And I am just, again, I'm excited to have him on the show. So anyway, without further ado, inspire us. Here he is, Dr. Larry Sin. <laughs> All righty, everyone. Welcome back to a wonderful episode of Inspired by Jimmy L. Today's guest, this man has changed my life in a way that, that I don't think I've ever thought was even going to be remotely possible. But he is an author, he's a consultant, but I mean, he has so many titles. But the one that I love the most is he is the godfather, the father, excuse me, let me correct that, the father of cultural shaping of the entire corporate world. I'm, we have none other than Dr. Larry Sid. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Great to be here. So, so Dr. Larry, one of the first things I wanted to ask you about you mentioned that before starting the company that you had to find the company's purpose, but before you could find the company's purpose, you had to find your own. How did you go about doing that? And, and how did you suggest others to possibly do the same when they're looking for their purpose? Well, in my case, it came, I, I think it, it traces back to my mother who always wanted to serve people. And, but I was on a path, I was on an achievement path as many people are, and wasn't as conscious as I should be. And sometimes adversity. So I, I ran into a, a kind of a midlife crisis in my life. And I had to stop and say, you know, I, I'm successful. I have a company that's making money. I've got a nice house, but why am I not happy? And usually what happens is you, 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 you think you get to where you want to be. You have these goals. And then all of a sudden, it's not as satisfying as you think it should be, and there's something missing. So what was missing, and the missing for me was, uh, I want to make more of a difference in the world. I, by that time, had done my 
doctoral dissertation on culture. And I understood culture. And I was actually in this meeting, a quiet meeting journaling. And it just flashed. I said, look, you know more about culture meeting the world. You should start a company that does that. You could touch many, many people if you did that. And so that's really where Sandalini, the culture shaping firm, came from. It's out of a bit of adversity, a reflection on life not uh, achieving, getting the brass ring and finding out it's not the brass ring because <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and if, if anybody finds themselves in a job, in a place, in a that, that doesn't light their passion, that doesn't bring them joy, that doesn't bring them deep fulfillment, then they need to think about, you know, what is their purpose? And it may be simple, like my wife's purpose is to really raise children mm-hmm. who have great values and do good things. And, and that's a great purpose. So there are other people, your purpose may be to uh, bring, bring inspiration to people and, 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 and help, help them see the world in different ways through, through you. And so you have a mean, you have meaning in your life yeah. in yeah. terms of that. Yeah. yeah and that's I what it is. I, like, I will say, cause I, even I, I'm struggling to, to continue with my purpose. And for me, it's, it's slightly have evolved or changed over the years. And, and so I feel like it's, it's consistently evolving to the point where I'm almost trying to consistently catch up with it and, and to see, ah. you know, what it is to do next. Yes. You know, yes. do you have yes. any well, be open. For, and, and, and looking well, to being open for that? Well, I think um, we generally do not take enough time to reflect. Uh, having been through our seminar, you know, part of the process is after you have an experience like the broken squares game or any of those things, we quiet people down. We put on journaling music. We have them think because those quiet times are where we access that deeper wisdom we have. And so for me, I take at least five minutes each morning to meditate using a little app called Calm and uh, just that quiet time or I go out for a run. And I don't run that fast, but I run and I've got my music on and all of a sudden I'm going along and this, this inspiration, this idea comes to me, but it only happens when we quiet the busy mind down. Only then can we get to deeper wisdom. So, you know what, Dr. I'm glad you brought that up. It's one of the things that I wanted to ask in regards to um, the mood elevator here, which again, I totally love it. Um, So um, one of the top things of the mood elevator, of course, is it's grateful. And I know most people in life in general, whether they have the mood elevator with them or not, we, we, try to, we try to stay as high as possible on our energy level, right? Yes, yes. How, how can you do that or keep that momentum or, or stay high on that mood elevator when, when things are consistently coming at you? Like, I'm sitting in my cubicle. If I get one more email, I'm a snap, you know? <laughs> like, how, how, do you, how do you keep that? that momentum, momentum to stay high on that elevator? Well, it takes some understanding. So first, for people that don't know, the mood elevator is simply how we feel every moment, every day. Do we feel grateful? Do we feel wise? Do we feel irritated and bothered, self-righteous, judgmental, <laughs> depressed? So it's just this continuance, continuance of feelings we have. And the first thing to understand is where they come from. Because we usually blame the world on, on those feelings. And yet, have you ever really felt badly, gotten a good night's sleep, woke up to a sunny day, and all of a sudden you felt great? Yeah. Nothing changed, yeah. but your thinking changed. So it, it's, 
our moods come from our thought. We are the movie producers in life. We're creating this movie of our life. For example, in worry, we have all the physical manifestations of the bad thing happening, even though it hasn't happened yet. We're just thinking it might happen. <laughs> and so, it's, I mean, there's this, in the book, there's this story of this guy who, whose buddy tells him they're going to shut down their division of the company. And he doesn't want to go home and worry his wife, so he goes, sits on a park bench. And first he gets really depressed because his neighbor lost his house. His kids might not be able to go to the college they want to go to. And he goes way down to the bottom of the mood out there. Then he gets mad at the company. He goes to angry. Why would they do this? We're really working on Then he says, wait a minute. That guy's always starting rumors, and they usually aren't true. This probably isn't even true. So then he says, okay, that's fine. And then he's up to the middle. And then he says, wait a minute. I hate this job anyway. <laughs> Maybe I could get a package and go start my dog grooming business. And he starts to get excited about the possibility of the future. Now, all of that happened sitting on a park bench, and nothing changed except his thinking. He was making this movie. And so when we know we don't take our thinking as seriously, <laughs> it's one thing. Uh, and, and the fact is we will go up and down. Yeah. Probably the most important things is learn how to do down well. So have you ever said something to a friend or a loved one you wish you could take back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and where were you on the mood when you did that? Where were you on the I'm elevator sure when you I did that? Really I'm sure it was probably <laughs> yeah. broken. When I did <laughs> yeah. You were down to irritated, bothered, <laughs> self-righteous, and, yeah. and your thinking is almost always unreliable. And so the best thing to do is just when you're down and just say, wait a minute, like the, like the weather, like the cloud, this will pass. It's just my thinking. Yeah. And just don't take it overly seriously. You know, speaking, speaking of that, and, and, and I guess I want to get your perspective of it. So I know I, I heard one of your past interviews where you spoke about a lot of companies that you've worked with, and sometimes they've had to come back to hire you twice. How can someone that's um, maybe in a mid-level management role that has gone through the program, that has seen the vision of what the company can be, how can you stay high on the mood elevator or to regain or keep your momentum or your focus to, to try to make sure that you're leveling out as much as you possibly can without backsliding with when the organization around you itself is backsliding or going back to old behaviors? How do you keep that momentum going? Well, I think one of the highest levels of accountability we have is for our own state of mind. And, okay. um, and, and the fact is that, that the less we blame what we, how we are in other people, the better off we are. <laughs> the less okay. we're victims okay. in life, the better off we are. So no matter what's going on around me, I still make my own choices. I can be nice to other people. I can collaborate. I can be as creative as I can be. I, can, I may have some boundaries around me, but there's still a lot more I can do. Or I can sit back and be mad at the company, mad at my boss, complain about my partner, I can spend my life doing that. Now, which is going to be more productive? Well, I think finding ways within whatever confines you have to be creative, uh, to do good. Um, just the idea that you could be a, a point of light, a positive person in a department which may not be as positive. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Why not? Uh, but, but, but Dr. Larry, it, it's, it's up so to us. easy. It's so easy to be negative. It is so it is. easy to feel that overwhelming as if you're, you're carrying the weight of the world by yourself. It's so easy to feel that. 
Well, that's where the mood algorithm comes in. Um, it's just almost like we're working with these companies now that create, drive automated cars, and they've got these amazing dashboards that can tell you if the right rear tire is low on air, or all kinds of things. Okay, yeah. so we've got this dashboard. It's called the mood elevator, and if I find myself down there, it doesn't matter where I am. If I, I'm down, I need to say to myself, "Okay, uh, be careful." You know, if you have to go out, it's like going out on an icy road. You got to be careful because otherwise, you're going to say something you shouldn't say. I mean, I. I got an email this week that really bothered me and I hammered out a response and I was smart enough to go save. That <laughs> 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 was a draft. And then I brought it back up again and I modified it some, but it still had this. And so then I said, save again. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, then the third one I said, you know, thank you. The third one I said, thank you for letting me know. I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that. Larry, that was it. Okay, and I could, I could have totally screwed up that relationship. Completely. Completely. Oh, my gosh. I think we've all been there. I know I, know yes. I have, and I'm sure I was there last week. Okay? I know I have. Um, and, and, and well, I then, will say... Go ahead, go ahead. Do, some, do something. For me, uh, physical activity tends to quiet my mind. Anything can quiet my mind. So if I listen to music, I go, for, I go for a walk. I'll take the dog for a walk and my head will clear up. Uh, get, be around positive people. I'm, I'm fortunate to have my soulmate, my wife of some 40-some years, uh, who's a very positive person. And so I'll just go and I'll, I'll talk to her and she'll say, it's okay, Larry, you're, you know, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And we'll be fine. Let's take a walk and give me a hug and boom. Okay. And then I go back to, wait a minute, I'm a really blessed man. Why am I worrying about this little thing? You know, it's perspective. All of us are really, you know, anybody listening to this is fortunate enough because they're interested in, in growth. So there's something there for them. And and so compared to many people in the world, we're so blessed, but we forget it and we lose our perspective. You, you know, speaking, of perspective. That, speaking of that perspective, yeah. um, with everything that's happening now with this whole COVID-19 thing, like, oh my gosh, um, I will say personally, it has definitely put a different perspective on my own life. Uh, I just, yes, I, yes, no one yes. I don't think could have ever ex expected this. How has that changed for you or has anything changed for you and, and Cindelaney? Well, if, from a practical standpoint, we've had to create all those product, wonderful products you've seen in virtual format. And we've been just incredibly inventive and creative in being able to deliver experiences and sessions like that on Zoom uh, with a, lo a, lot of, uh, a lot of technology to support that. I, I think the bigger message, though, is that, my, that I'll, I'll talk about Bernadette a lot, my wife, but what she wants to have in her tombstone is this word that says, blessing in disguise. Anything that happens to us is a blessing in disguise. So the question that then raises, okay, uh, what is, you know, COVID isn't a, isn't a blessing, it's a horrible thing, but stay at home. What is the lesson I'm supposed to learn by staying at home? What is, how should I come out of here different than I went into this? So uh, what next level am I supposed to achieve in terms of my understanding uh, of life? And, and so that's been, that's, so for me, that's wonderful. It's been a, you know, it's been a time where I could be more reflective. I'm busy still, 
but I am thinking about, okay, well, I've been jumping on airplanes my whole life and I've been developing part of my self-worth by running around and selling what we do and doing seminars. And now I'm home and I'm thinking, okay, uh, you've been striving for 50 years <laughs> running consulting <laughs> firms, you know? And, and so I, I actually, I actually had to say, look, you keep, you keep striving to achieve. Well, uh, I had some reflections the other day and, and part of it was, uh, I am enough. There's nothing left to prove. Be okay with yourself. Okay. Oh. Uh, I have enough wins to last a lifetime. Stop trying to kill yourself on airplanes. And so it's a great realization for me. And, and that may sound odd, but, but uh, what is your lesson to learn? Uh, uh, I, one of mine is having dinner with my son home from college, my sophomore son and my wife each night, which I didn't do. And us just having our little evening prayer and, uh, and being together. So I want to be together with my family more. I'm going to do more things on Zoom and not get on as many airplanes. Uh, I, want to, I want to come out of this. I said, I want to come out of this biologically five years younger than I went into it. Cause instead, of flying, instead of driving to the office and back a couple hours a day or going on airplanes, I'm lifting weights, man. I'm, I'm stretching. <laughs> I'm running. <laughs> I'm riding my bike. <laughs> okay, you lift I did a mini. Away yeah, from yeah. Me, please, today. <laughs> 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 Just wow. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead. It's, I no, no. Say that, that is, it's one way to, to know that subconsciously, but to be able to act upon it and, and to use whatever is happening in your environment right now to kind of push you forward toward that, that mindset, I think it's freaking amazing. I mean, even though I know that it's nothing new to you, I heard you say in one of your interviews that um, you thought about retiring for a quick second and you're just like, no, I love, I'm, I'm not working. You know, this is my, you know, my job is my passion, you know? So right, have, right. You, have you always had that forward thinking brain or that mindset or that outlook? I believe so. I think it came from my mother. And, uh, you know, as a very young child, she told me, you know, Larry, you were born in the image and likeness of God. And therefore, your natural state is to be loving, compassionate, wise, successful, and nothing can stop you. That, that she used to say, if you but have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, which is this plant, nine foot plant that grows out of crack in the rock, uh, you know, so have that and so, and then my father had a sign above his desk that said, where there's a will, there's a way. So he was this very determined person. She was this really loving person. And so I think that shaped me and, and uh, to want to make a difference, yeah. uh, to want to count for something, to want to leave a footprint in the sand, uh, to want to be all I could be. I, I can tell your passion and your love for your mother. And <laughs> when I say, I, I, I feel it like I Feel it. And I, I heard you say that you guys were a, um, a family of huggers. So, like, I'm, I'm giving yeah. you like a big Eric <laughs> hug right now. <laughs> I, I love that. Oh, I love that. I, I, I know I spoke to you a moment ago about um, wanting to bring up your fatherhood. I'm doing a special segment um, for the month of June for Father's Day. And and something weird happened to me earlier this year, and um, I was kind of disappointed at what I saw in a couple of the parents and, and what they were subjecting their kids to, and it, it just it really broke my heart. And so I've kind of started this whole series, and 
while I have you, I'm like, I just have to ask, um, is there anything that as a father you wish you would have known before you started having children? Well, I, you know, in, in our sessions, one of the most powerful notions we communicate is be here now. Yeah. The ability to yeah. be yeah. totally in the present with someone. Well, my kids were, I think, three, five, and seven when um, I learned that lesson. And I wish I'd learned it even sooner, but I was actually out uh, flying a kite with my youngest son, uh, what good fathers would do. But standing there, I was not there. I was in my head. I was planning Monday, <laughs> worrying about Friday. And Jason reached up and he tugged at me and he said, Dad, Dad, would you really play with me? Would you really play? And it just like was a, it was like a stake through my heart, you know, that this kid knew I was faking it as a father. I wasn't really there. And that changed my life from that point forward in terms of knowing how important it is for people to know you're there for them, especially your children. Because that tells them that they're valuable. It tells them they have worth. It tells them they're important to you. And, uh, and so I, I think I really, you know, I would have learned earlier the ability to just when I was with, and then from then on, it was beautiful. Every weekend we'd go motorcycle riding, we'd go skateboarding, we'd do all these things. And, and even today, my sons, believe it or not, are in their fifties. And every one of them, when they see me, will come up and say, I love you, dad, and give me a hug. And I feel so good about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I, I, I really mean what I said earlier on in regards to how much you've changed my life. I, I listened to Hal Erod, who affected me personally. And so I, I kind of started my own personal journey. And then my organization incorporated Sin Delaney. And so I had an aspect of being able to be fully surrounded of positivity and life-changing and growth. And so what ended up happening was, because I'm not some big shot at work or anything like that, but I, I definitely have a decent position. And so it allowed me or forced me to do more work at home than I ever thought that I ever wanted, okay, which is not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so, but after going through the program and dealing with Be Here Now, like I literally came home, spoke to my hubby, and I was like, Sunday is your day. Like we, I don't yep. care what it is, whether you want me to sit here, you want to play video games, board games, Sunday is your day. And I will say being able to take out that time just to say, this is you, this is for yep. you, it makes a huge difference. And so when you speak about being here now with your son, I, I haven't had the opportunity to have kids yet. And I just, I just cannot wait to be able to pour that into them, to be able to have those moments of being there now and, and you know, just completely surrounding myself with that love. And I, I have to say thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I think there's a mistake. There's a mistaken identity about fathers. And and as I looked at my father, he was a, a amazing man, very purposeful, helped change the world in terms of health. And but he was pretty driven, a little bit hard, wasn't a hugger. And uh, and I made a conscious decision. I wanted to be more of a mother than a father, uh, in terms of in terms of the idea of of loving, unconditional okay. love supportive, being there for them. But I also want to be a, a role model of, uh, of all, both the male and the female qualities. The kids can, kids can see that. 
And uh, but I think this mistaken identity about the disciplinarian and the tough person and, and, and the all that stuff. Be. Yeah, the, the role should be, you know, I blew out all those roles. I mean, even in my household, my wife makes her half of the bed. I make my half of the bed. <laughs> we, we do not have roles. We're just people. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, so as a father now, what has been, what has been one of your proudest moments that you, you can look back now and just say, yeah, like I, I did that. Like I did that. I, I created that. So I have five children ranging age from 20 to 55. I have six grandchildren ranging age from two to 26, three daughter-in-laws and a son-in-law. And I'm able to get all of them together up in the northern woods of Wisconsin. We've got a place on a lake up there. And I bring that whole gang in. And one of the moments is this. At one point during, the summer, during that week or two there, we have a shaving cream fight. We put our bathing suits on. We run around, squirt each other with shaving cream. <laughs> Everybody from two years old to, to, to me in my 80s. And then we end up taking a picture before and after of all of us with a big group hug with our shaving cream on. And I say, oh. I created this family and it's a wonderful family and they're all loving uh, people and they're all good people with good values. I, I, that's what I feel good about. Yeah, I will say, Dr. Lair, like you, you are changing, you're changing so much. And I, and I know that you've heard it countless times, but I just cannot say enough thank you. Uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you are really making a difference making a difference and and i i know that you're one of those fathers obviously that some of us wish that we would have had or something similar and um i can only imagine what the next generations are going to be that are from your downline so all i have to do is say thank you that's it you're welcome thank you <laughs> great okay so that is it for me uh, dr larry okay. uh, i just i I, this has been a pleasure. This has been this has been one of those conversations that um, I think I'm going to cherish forever. It, it really, it, even though I smile a lot anyway, but this is one of them that it brings out a different level of light, and I just I appreciate it. I really cannot thank you enough for saying yes. Well, just keep living the question, in the curiosity, and take enough time to reflect and your path forward will be revealed to you. I like that. I like that. I will, I will keep ahead <laughs> as my path is, okay. is unveiled. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. 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 Bye. bye.